It's okay, you don't, you don't have to clap twice. That's, that's just fine. Uh, so I, I have a ton of information uh, to share with you guys today. And I'm, I am deeply, nerdily passionate about SEO in a very scary way. Um, and so I, I, I wanted to make sure that since I raced through my presentations, you can, you can download them easily, get all the links, because I, I, I like to shove a lot of links and references into the bottom of my uh, slide. So bit.ly slash SEO, love, leave. SEO, love, leave. And if you're thinking to yourself, eh, that presentation will probably be crap, I don't need it, don't worry, this uh, URL will be at the end if you change your mind between now and then, <laughs> um, which, is, which is possible. So I, I want to start by giving you some, some broad context overview, like what's changed in SEO since you know, three, four, five years ago? And actually, we have had a, a fairly substantial shift um, in the SEO world. First big thing I'm going to call it is that ranking algorithms have become uh, tremendously more complex, right? So there was, there was fairly simplistic uh, ranking algorithms that improved based on the quality of the inputs, but uh, now we have many more inputs and more sophistication. And those include advancements in uh, user data signals. So for example, I have, um, you can do a test. Say you're, uh, you and a bunch of friends uh, all get on your phones. You need about 500 friends to do this, but uh, you all get on your phones and you search for uh, a keyword phrase and you click on result number nine. That result will move up Google pretty quickly. And it'll fall back down after a little while, right? But, but Google's taking into account some user and usage data signals that previously they were not using quite as heavily. They're also looking at, at things like uh, not necessarily bounce rate, but pogo sticking, right? So you perform a search. They get to your startup's website, and then they go back to the search results. That, that's a bad signal. That tells Google, this person was unsatisfied with the query and uh, the, the answer that you gave. Google also has an uncanny, uncanny ability to spot editorial versus manipulative links. And, and this advancement has been um, dramatic, over the especially over the last three or four years. So it, it was the case for many startups um, and many companies uh, across the web and, and here in the US that in, you know, from 2005 to 2010, you could do a lot of things that violated Google's guidelines around how to acquire links and be very successful doing it. I'm not looking in anyone's direction. Um, <laughs> but today that is 10, 100 times harder. And there are still sophisticated black hats who do this temporarily and temporarily it can work and they often do like churn and burn types of sites. But you all are building brands. We all are building brands. I, I am not willing to sacrifice my site uh, through manipulative linking. Keyword matching has also come a long way. So you know, back in the day, uh, I hate to do this to Bing, but um, so I'd search for, I know there's like this national area, I can't remember if it's like a park or wildlife zone or something, refuge, national area that has lemurs in it in Madagascar. I watched the IMAX movie with like my, my little cousins and. And I searched and, you know, Bing is going to match those keywords that I put in. National area with lemurs, Madagascar. And there it is. You know, wild Madagascar. That's not it. Endangered lemurs, National Geographic. Look, look what Google did. National area with lemurs, Madagascar. Oh, Ranamafana National Park. Yep, that's it. How do they know that? Have you guys ever tried searching for a um, movie where everyone calls that one guy the dude? It'll pull up Big Lebowski. Like, it just will. They know. <laughs> like, like, 
keyword matching has become tremendously more complex. And, and, and you know, Google has things like entities they look at and, and far, far better topic modeling algorithms, just a, a great deal better sophistication around this. There's also a ton of personalization by history, what you've searched for and clicked on in the past, by device, by location, and of course by Google Plus. Even if you think you're not Google, using Google Plus, you probably have an account, right? And this is not just true for, um, it's not just true for, for people like us, right, who are tech savvy and in the Bay Area and those kinds of things. It's also true for everyone who has an Android phone, right? To get an Android phone, you must have a Google Plus account. If you signed up for Gmail in the last two or three years, you have a Google Plus account and Google is using information based on that to, to bias things, right? So I search for state laws prevent broadband. There is a post that would never show up if I weren't logged into my account from John Henshaw at Raven Tools, ranking number one. And this biasing happens quite a bit if you're logged into your Google account. And that, that could be Gmail, that could be Google+. Interestingly, uh, SEO has sort of shifted as well. So, uh, you know, we've been watching very closely because Moz provides SEO software and so our, our primary customers are SEOs. And we've been looking, we, we sort of realized that over the last few years, SEO has gone from a job title to a part of a job description. Just somewhat interesting, right? So a lot of people who are web designers, marketing executives, marketing managers, website managers, marketing strategists, growth hackers, right? They do some SEO. And you can see this. This is US profiles with SEO in the job description versus US profiles on LinkedIn with SEO in the title. Title. The only place where SEO is still a very popular uh, job title is in India. Um, where it's, it's at almost as popular in the title as in the job description. We've also come to realize that doing our job, the job of you know, keyword links, uh, uh, rankings, crawl, is not enough, and we have to broaden out. One of the things that I find particularly frustrating, and I take uh, issue with, with Google forcing this on us, is that web spam, which used to be you know, bad, scummy, scammy people pointing li bad links at you, or, or you being like, oh, I maybe went on Fiverr and found this 500 links package and bought it for $5. What could go wrong? Um, at, and, and policing of web spam used to be Google's purview entirely. right? We, the rest of us on the web were like, yeah, maybe some spam's pointing to me, but I don't really have to worry about it. Google, if they don't like the spam that's pointing to me, they just won't count it. That changed a couple years ago. Today, these non-editorial links are incredibly dangerous, incredibly dangerous because Google has launched this uh, uh, basically spam monitoring system inside of Webmaster Tools. And it's now all of our responsibilities, or the SEO who works for you, it's responsibility to go in and make sure, hey, are any spammy links pointing to me? If so, I need to go disavow those links and say, no, I didn't build them and I didn't intend to have them and you shouldn't count them, Google. And if you don't, bad things can happen to your site. Now, Google likes to say that it's incredibly hard for someone to do negative SEO to you without your knowledge, and without, but there's still quite a bit of risk. And for this reason, um, you know, friends of mine in the SEO world have taken to calling SEO. Like, Google has turned us into tax attorneys. Like, they've just loaded us up with work, and now, you know, we're just managing and maintaining and monitoring this stuff all the time. And that, that's frustrating. I don't actually think this is a great use of SEO's time. I'm not even sure this is a great use of, of Google software. I'm not sure exactly why they're benefiting so much from this, but I, I assume they must be to keep it up. Uh, Google's also doing some things to shorten the searcher's path. 
And this is affecting SEO in dramatic ways. And in some industries, company killing ways. I'll show you. World Cup winners. Man, I mean, why does FIFA even bother? Google's, you, they've got them all. You can just scroll back through the years. This visual design is not only more convenient, but actually better than what you get if you go to the Wikipedia page. Why, why should I bother? Sa same thing here, population of New Zealand. It's not just telling me the answer. It's also giving me a graph and showing me all sorts of other information. Like, geez, I don't need to visit anyone's web page. <laughs> Google, Google didn't write this. They scraped it. Right? They scraped it. They crawled it off of these web pages and surfaced it through their UI, which is something, by the way, that is against their terms of service to do to them or other websites. <laughs> I won't try and dive into the hypocrisy, but, but this is dangerous stuff, right? Like, how much money does Google make? Well, it turns out there's a Moz blog post that has the answer to that written by uh, one of our data science guys, Dr. Pete Myers. Oh, look at that. They extracted the relevant text, put it above the fold, gave a citation, but there you go. There's the answer. You don't need to visit the web page anymore. No more traffic for you, Moz. Yikes. It's a little spooky. Have you seen these? Right? There's all sorts of transactional queries where this is going on. Uh, uh, Seattle to San Francisco airport, there's all the direct flights and non-stops and who's on time and how much they cost and, man, pfft, kayak. Why are they even bothering? It sucks. And they can easily do this industry by industry by industry in, in different queries. That is hard. The only good news out of this is that Google has used this to make people more addicted to search and to make searchers search more often. So average number of queries per searcher has gone up over the last five years pretty dramatically. And the number of new searchers has gone up dramatically as well. It's expected that by the end of this year or maybe the beginning of next year, we will have more searches on mobile. Google expects more searches on mobile than on desktop. And that's probably about a 50-50 split today, around 3 billion queries on each daily. If you go back to 2010, there were about 3 billion searches per day overall. So even if Google cannibalizes 25%, 30% of all the searches that have happened, in the last four years, there's actually way more opportunity in search, in SEO, than there ever has been. And SEO maintains about that 80-20 uh, split with paid. So about 20% of all clicks on uh, Google search results are paid, and about 80% are on organic. So SEO still has a, a huge share there. It's also interesting to see what social media has done to the SEO world, right? So we've seen that years ago, say 2007, right, when uh, this piece from, from Forrester Research came out, only about 13% of regular web users could actually influence and amplify content, right? Those were the bloggers, the journalists, the writers. Today, whoo, right? US, 72% uh, of web users can amplify content, including my grandfather. He does have a Twitter account. He occasionally will tweet something that I post, but it's hard to get him to do that. Uh, and, and the last point on this is that we have seen the loss of a lot of data that used to be critical to SEO operations, and we've had to find ways to work around that. So keyword referral data is, is the most important and obvious one, right? Uh, so for Moz, we serve a very techie audience, right? 95%, 95% of our search traffic is not provided. Google won't tell us what keywords people searched for 
on average, it's about 87.5%. So still, still a little tiny bit that you can extrapolate, but really not much. One substitute offering is uh, inside of Google Webmaster Tools. They will show you some queries that send traffic to you. I would be somewhere between moderately and highly skeptical of the accuracy of those results. Whenever we've looked and compared, uh, it doesn't seem right. It doesn't seem consistent. It's like Google's search results count, right? It just fluctuates every time you click next, and I don't know why. Uh, it's also the case that a lot of what is search traffic today is being improperly attributed as direct traffic. So, I mean, I feel really bad for these poor SEOs out there who are working their heart out and driving a ton of traffic to their clients or their bosses, their, their team's websites, and they're not getting credit for it. This is an experiment from Groupon, and Groupon actually, I think accidentally, turned off their search traffic by removing their entire site from Google, oops, uh, for a day. And they saw a 60% drop in direct traffic that correlated exactly. And as soon as their search traffic came back, so did their direct, indicating, suggesting that a lot of what's classified as direct is probably actually search. So these changes are, are, are having a relatively substantive impact, right? And one of the big things is that we don't get to call this enough for SEO anymore. And it really used to be. SEO was like links, keywords, crawl, and rankings. Like that's, the, that's the bread and butter. This stuff's still important, but SEO in 2014 is about getting design and user experience right so people don't bounce when they land on our page because that can affect our rankings. Getting our uh, accessibility right because Google just announced this morning while I was on the plane here that, that HTTPS will now give you a slight benefit, right? If you have a security certificate, uh, that will give you a slight benefit in the rankings. That's two hours old information. Uh, press and PR has a huge influence on SEO. Uh, web spam has a huge influence on SEO. Social has a huge uh, direct and indirect influence on SEO, and I'll talk about those more. It, this, this is hard, man. It's like, what, what did you do? I, I remember when it used to be like, yeah, Neil and I would go buy some links and we'd get some rankings. Man, those were the days. So our job, right, as marketers, as evangelists for our products, is to connect these things up to marry the tactics that will be most effective for us with the opportunities that exist in search today. And with six billion queries a day, I mean, anyone who says SEO is dead or search is dead is just crazy. We're still talking about uh, more than 10 times the amount of traffic that Facebook sends out every day sent out by Google. More than 10 times. I think it's, it, it, it's multiples of that outside of the US. So there's no tactic that's going to be right for everyone, um, but I'd urge you to have awareness of all of these tactics. And I, there's no way in the next uh, 17 minutes that I can possibly get through all of the tactics. And so I'm just going to take a sampling, a sampling of the most important ones that I've seen startups invest in and try and walk you through some of the things that we all used to do and I would strongly recommend against, along with some things that I do really suggest we embrace today. Start with keyword research. So it, it used to be like you want to do keyword research, you just go to AdWords, right? You could go to the AdWords keyword tool. I like the old one better than the new one. It hid less data. The new one is pretty, is, can be confusing to learn. Uh, unfortunately, AdWords doesn't report all of the terms, even terms that are relatively popular. And that's why I'd suggest you leave it behind in favor of looking at several 
data sources munched up. So it, the nice thing about this, by the way, almost everyone is still using AdWords for keyword research, meaning if you go outside of that and you find keyword opportunities that are not in AdWords, chances are good the competition will be much lighter. This is a tool that helps make uh, Google Suggest-based research way easier. It's called KeywordTool.io. Uh, it's one of my favorite new keyword research tools in, in the SEO world. I'm, I'm very, very impressed by what these folks have put together. Super simplistic, completely free, very useful. You can export your results to Excel, whatever you want to do. Um, I also strongly recommend that you use your customer data, right? And why am I showing Reddit here? Because sometimes your customers are not yet on your website. For early stage startups, you don't have customers talking in your help and support forums and your communities about the language that they use to describe your products and services and the problems they have. But they exist somewhere on the web. I think the, the startup that I kept using was uh, Partender, right? Because like they were just, they're just very cool. They're one of my, my favorite of your investments. Um, and so I was checking out Partender and like bar inventory stuff. And there's like a ton of people who discuss all kinds of problems they have with bartending inventory over here on Reddit giving me a bunch of keyword suggestions that I wouldn't have otherwise found. What about content creation? Oh man, startups go down some really deep dark holes here. Okay, so like this is the advice you always get. Let's create and scale keyword targeted pages of good unique content. If you make good unique content and that is your bar, like you, you must evaporate and go away from the internet. There's, there's not room for you anymore, at least not in the top 10 search results. So uh, this is Angie's List, right? And Angie's List is a, was a fairly successful startup, right? They're, they're doing pretty darn well. Uh, and they've got this, this long page. It, you don't need to see everything that's on it, right? But it ranks pretty well. It's the number one organic result, non-paid, for Medford plumbers, best plumbers in, in Medford, Oregon. Okay. Uh, this is all of the unique content on that page, right? There's the number of plumbers they have, how many are top rated, uh, three sample reviews, and then like lists of, these are just little addresses and phone numbers. Actually, not even phone numbers, just addresses. And this one says New Jersey. But startups go and they look at who's ranking number one for a query and they're like, got it. I want to take over the plumbing industry. I'm going to be Uber for plumbers. And I'm going to start with Medford because nobody else is there. You are dreaming, man. Dreaming. It's a beautiful dream, by the way. It's just <laughs> lovely. The whales and the clouds and the ships. Don't do it. Don't you do it. If you, I wish I could explain this visually, but there just isn't time. And so I've made this checklist. Make sure your content is unique. It doesn't appear elsewhere on the web in a search indexable format. It's relevant. That actually contains terms and phrases that the engines can interpret on this topic. It's helpful. It resolves the searcher's queries. I wanted this thing. Well, here you go. Here's the answer to your problem. Uniquely valuable, meaning it provides information that is unavailable elsewhere. Not just content and words and phrases, but information that's unavailable elsewhere and a great user experience. That means easy to browse on any device, fast to load, and hopefully pleasurable too. Genius.com is a great example of this, right? Rap Genius, Genius.com. So, <laughs> I mean, this may be one of the reasons that they're 
penalty from Google for doing very shady stuff lasted such a short time and happened conveniently at the lowest traffic time of the year between Christmas and New Year's. This, um, no one from Google is an investor in Y Combinator, right? Um, I'm kidding. Don't like tweet this. <laughs> Someone from Google is going to be like, that asshole is giving. All right. So look, right? Like, what a great experience. One click to play it from YouTube to play the song, right? Shelter from the Storm by Bob Dylan. There's data regarding the popularity and activity. There's accurate, readable lyrics. Have you been to other lyric sites? Like, they're, they're terrible. Uniquely valuable annotations. This is information you can't find anywhere else. I did not know that Shelter from the Storm was referencing void of form as a, uh, a, an allegory for Adam's punishment in the Garden of Eden. No idea. Bob Dylan's a genius. And then there's a community of contributors where I can look at the, like, this has it all. This is content, great content. Link building. You, come on. You, can you, like, the, I'll tell you the really shitty thing about this. The thing that makes me so angry, that boils my blood, is that if you search for uh, link building tactics or uh, um, link building directories, Google will rank stuff like this and then penalize you if you get it. <laughs> did it. It's like the IRS sending you a form that's like, how much money did you not want to pay us? Okay, we're going to fine you for that. <laughs> All right, don't do that. One of the very popular things that, that a lot of startups has done, because we're all very well connected to each other, is we often create content um, intended to target you know, links and shares and stuff from a community that is not relevant to our customers or what we actually do. And some of that's okay, but if you're doing consistent off-topic, what I'd call clickbait, linkbait, right, that, Google is cracking down on that hard. And they're doing it manually. And when they do it manually, the penalties last a long time. And I guarantee your competitors are watching you, and they'll report you even if no one from Google finds you. And then there's, of course, like guest posting and commenting. This is the classic way that we all acquired like our exact anchor text links. This is also straight out. Google uh, hates that stuff these days. I think uh, Matt Cutts, before he went on leave, actually wrote a post about how, how guest blogging is uh, over. Stick a fork in it. So the truth is that, that Google doesn't want to count links that you can control and build. What they want to do is they want to only count the links that you editorially earn. Ah, that's a lot harder. That's very frustrating. And I don't, I don't have time, unfortunately, to, to run through a bunch of link building resources. If, if we have time in q and I, I can get to some of it. But I did want to give you a bunch of resources here. This is what I point people to when they say, how am I going to get links to my startup? There you go. All right, social media. So there was a time when Google had that relationship, direct relationship with Twitter. You guys remember that? I think that was about four years ago. And it lasted a couple of years. And so you could tweet things, and they would get indexed in Google immediately. And you could see like tweets correlated extremely well with higher rankings. And it, there seemed to be a, a much more direct relationship. Today, that's not the case. Um, social is primarily impacting SEO indirectly, right? So I tweet something, hopefully, right? I, I tweeted a link to this presentation. Maybe someone in the audience here finds it useful, retweets it. One of their friends who is a blogger decides to embed that SlideShare link. That SlideShare has a link that points back to Moz, da 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 right? Indirect, very indirect. But that social shares can expose your content to people who might amplify and link to it in good, useful ways. 
The exception is Google+. If you were to ask me, Rand, should I go spend, you know, uh, I have both options. Uh, should I go spend a bunch of time like doing all this SEO stuff and build, or should I just get all of my potential customers to follow me on Google+. I'd be like, oh my God, just get all your followers, all your potential customers to follow you on Google+. Because if you do, you will rank number one for every search they perform. All you have to do is share your content on Google+. It's cheating for SEO. And you can imagine why Google might want to create that cheat, right? That it helps them acquire customers for Google+. Right? So because I'm following Mark Traphagen uh, on Google+, he writes something about uh, auto-pausing AdWords a few weeks ago, and ta-da, ranks for me, right? Like, easy. This, this can last for months, months. If you're not on Google+, and sharing your stuff on there, and trying to get people to follow you on there, what are you doing? All right, content marketing. So you're gonna go publish a bunch of blog posts and articles to get links and rankings. The fundamental problem with content marketing is that it only works if you are close to the best in the world at it. And that's kind of frustrating, because not a lot of people are, but many people think they are, right? So this is, you know, I'll use Neil's dating analogy. Like, have you ever seen the distribution curve on OK Trends blog of like how women rate the attractiveness of men and men rate the attractiveness of women? And like the average for women is like eight, and the average for men is like two. Right? This is, this is us. We're like, oh, yeah, my blog posts are great. They're an eight. And everybody else is like, your, your blog posts are a two. In fact, we have data behind this. This is the top one, five, and 10% of content on the web and how many social shares it earns. Wow. This looks like an income distribution graph in San Francisco. <laughs> scary. All right. There is no prize for hitting publish. You get no benefit from that. If you want to invest in content, strategic and relevant, actually useful to you, your audience, your business, fits with your branding, crafts you as an expert in the way you want to be perceived, targets likely amplifiers. If you can't answer the question, who will help this content spread and why, don't publish it. Who will help this content spread and why? And last, it can't be fire and forget. There is some great content out there that, you know, I find it and tweet it, and suddenly I've got thousands of retweets and all sorts of people paying attention to me. And it's like, man, if you had just given that a little shove out the door and helped it along for a few weeks, I wouldn't be getting all the credit for it. That happens to a lot of influencers, by the way. All right, so let's say you're uh, tinfoil security and you've got a blog post, SQL injection in plain English. Okay, that, that's mildly useful. Like, I understand SQL injection and have, have been a victim of it in the past. Uh, and, huh, this post did not do very well. Like, what, what is that? I've got a tool for you. This is BuzzSumo. It's my new favorite content marketing tool on the planet, buzzsumo.com. So I put in SQL injection, and it shows me all of the posts across the entire web over the last, uh, I think, year or so, and that have earned the most shares, right? The most social shares across all networks. Who shared them, how many, where, what? And from this, I can really get a sense of like, huh, okay, interesting. SQL injection fool speeds traps and clears your records. Yes, I can imagine how that would be useful. 
Flickr, uh, right, is, is subject to a SQL injection. Okay, I, I can see why that's hot. And then I can keep going. My last, uh, my last tactic for you, and hopefully we'll have a couple minutes for Q&A, is measuring your ROI. So, it, you know, a lot of companies have made this mistake in the past, and I'm, I'm sure that, uh, you know, folks like Sean and Neil would, would coach you never to do this, right? That you take the last channel who sent you the click and th that converted, and you give it all the credit. This, here's something fascinating about Moz's funnel. So we, we get uh, around 150 new free trials of our software every day, which is awesome. Um, a lot of people churn out in the first month and then like the first two paid months. But those 150 free trials, the ones that perform the best, come to our site 12, 13, 14, 15 times before they convert to a free trial. The ones that performed the worst came to our site for the first time or the second time and then converted. On average, I believe it's seven and a half visits, two from social, three from search, one direct, blah, 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 right? The average path to Moz's free trial is through all of those. If we gave, last, if, if we gave the last channel all the credit, we would never invest in these channels that are assisting channels, like social, like email, like content, that provide huge benefit to us. Traffic and performance by keyword, this is kind of a classic way to do SEO until not provided. Today, you've got to use uh, search traffic performance by page, right? Essentially by the landing page, which you can still get. And FYI, there are pieces of software, I, I mean, caveat, Moz is one of them, but there are other really good ones out there. Uh, search Metrics has this, Conductor has this, um, several other folks do, where we'll actually estimate you know, based on keywords that we see you ranking for and where that page is ranking, we'll estimate the, the keywords that have sent traffic. So you can use this as a proxy to get some of that value back too. It's definitely the case that SEO is getting harder, but when it gets harder, that high barrier to entry, just like everything else in the startup world, means that there's huge opportunity for the folks who are successful at it. And that's what I, I hope that uh, I can help you be. Thank you very much. All right, so we, I've got the note. We have time for two questions. So, yes, uh, right, right there in the middle. Yes, hi. I have an even bigger mustache in person. It's totally ridiculous. Okay. Oh, yes. Uh, yeah, so there's a few things to think about there. The question's basically around where should I put my content. Um, first off, many, many, many companies put uh, their content, their blog on blog.theirdomain.com. You don't get SEO credit for that the same way you would if you put it on mydomain.com slash blog. If you can move it over there, that's, that's hugely valuable. Uh, second thing though, when it comes to putting content on a blog, if the content is extremely temporal, like it's very interesting right now, but it's not evergreen and won't be everlasting, I love blogs. I, I think blogs are great. They're, people are trained to link to and share blog posts, so I really like that as a strategy. If, however, you have an evergreen piece of content, a tool, a resource, a, uh, a survey, right, a, a guide, I like that off the blog. I like a blog post announcing you've launched it, because that'll help get the, the blog energy going, but I like it 
in a separate section. Um, I, I've seen those perform better from an evergreen perspective. And then I think there was another one right here, sorry. Sure, go for it. Oh, sure, yeah. Yeah, so this is, this is very tough. Whereas uh, human beings, we're all trained to search, uh, to do web search with, um, you know, keyword terms and phrases that are unbranded, uh, the app store searches are almost exclusively branded. If you are not Candy Crush, right, and, and Neil's mom knows what he's, she's looking for, right, if you're not Candy Crush, like, you have to build your brand name before people will find you. Nobody searches for tower defense game that's really fun. Like, it just doesn't happen. But, but that does happen in web search. People will do searches for best Android games 2014, best Android games, uh, you know, August 2014, uh, best tower defense games Android, blah, 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 blah. If you can rank for those pieces or talk to the people who run the lists, right, the game magazines and stuff that, that promote those, the apps, uh, places that promote those, you can do very well. And those searches do lead, we've seen a bunch of data suggesting they lead directly to higher downloads. So, I kind of use web SEO to drive uh, mobile app adoption. And I, I think I've got a, we have one more? One more question. All right, one more. Awesome. It, it must be awesome. There's no one format. This is, this is actually a great question. There's no one format. The best format is the one that you know will get potential amplifiers to amplify that content. White papers, sometimes that works in very specific industries. I haven't seen it do really well. Interactive tools, I've seen them do tremendously well. Infographics, I've seen some do great and many, many fail. I've seen blog posts work great for some people. You've got to, you know, you can use a tool like BuzzSumo to see what's working in your industry and niche what's being successful, what are your competitors doing, and then you've got to have true empathy for your audience and for your potential amplifiers, and that'll lead you on that path to, to what the right content is. Thank you so much, you guys. Really appreciate it.